Welcome back to Who the Hell is This For? Today we are talking about Jackie Chan. I'm Ty. This is Jeff. And this is Riley. We figured that we should probably start a few years in introducing ourselves (laughs) at the beginning of every episode. You know, just so you know who we are. We gotta freshen up the next season. Getting so many new listeners all the time in every episode. (laughs) Just pouring it. Well, we're about to get a bunch from China, you know what I mean, with this episode, so... Uh, We're going to get a bunch worldwide because that's how big of a star Jackie Chan is. That's right. Uh, Before we get into um, all the discussion with our Jackie Chan episode, first, uh, you know, normally we talk about causes to support. And right now, I really just want to plug supporting a local trans charity uh, if you are in the Missouri area uh, because there is some really... really just awful legislation um, being pushed through and it was kind of kept quiet for a long time and now it is really awful stuff that is uh, being kind of just hammered through so do what you can to support trans people in your area especially if you do live in Missouri Um, but this is I mean this is a pattern that we're seeing nationwide so wherever you are honestly uh, worth supporting here here So before we get into uh, the meat of today's episode, what have you guys been doing the past month? Um, Well, Ty, I know we've both been playing quite a bit of Elden Ring. Absolutely. Uh, That's been taking up a lot of my time. That and the uh, NBA playoffs. Um, Go Bucks. Boo Bulls. Go Bucks. (laughs) All three very big Bucks fans here on the podcast. That's true. Three Not a three. single Bulls fan to be found. About a- Just tank the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think you might have just done it. <laughs> I was hoping maybe we'd get lucky and this would be a no edit episode. <clears throat> All right. right so Come back in. Back at it. Yes, so the Bucks and the Bulls have been playing basketball, and that's all we'll say on it. (laughs) We're all friends. It was a gentleman's (laughs) sweep. I'll I'll take one game. Yes. Riley, how about you? What have you been watching besides the the balls? Uh, A lot of hockey. A lot of hockey. MotoGP is up and running. Um, And then been watching uh, two uh, just garbage quality TV shows on Netflix, uh, The Ultimatum, nice. and uh, Selling Sunset season five. Oh wow! Yes, yeah, so you're. you're <laughs> I have not in... heard of this show once. How is it on season five? It's like a reality show, right? Really? Both reality shows. Um, yeah, just garbage television that you can't put down. Uh, Catherine watched the ultimatum. Oh man, it's just yeah shows like that. I cannot do the the people on there stress me out. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's definitely what that one is. That shit is messy, folks. I just love that that Tyler just can't watch people make bad decisions on TV. He's just like, oh no, <laughs> don't yeah, do just, it. That's Your like, that's like the whole broken. that's like the whole premise of that show is like, <laughs> well we're. We're dating, but what if we cheated on each other? <laughs> yeah. And what if I place an ultimatum on you? Things that are notoriously good and go yes. well all the time. 
Yeah, it, not for me. I yeah. I truly cannot handle it. There have been seasons of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette that I can't watch when Catherine has those on. I can't I can't even get close to Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah. Ooh, I um I have two movies I saw since the last time we recorded that I want to make plugs for. Um, I went and saw everything everywhere at once, all at once. Oh yeah. Um, I. I want to see it again. I liked it. Uh, I think if you... I think I said this on Twitter. I, I liked it. I gave it three and a half stars out of five. But it is the kind of movie that I think people go fucking nuts for. If you love it. And I think if there are lots of people who like are going to hate that movie. So I think it's very polarizing. I found myself kind of in the middle. I thought it was pretty inventive. But I don't think it's like near as close like people are saying it's the best movie they've seen in the last 20 years and i think that hyperbole like really probably hurt my experience i think if i went in not mm-hmm. knowing anything about it i probably would have liked it better honestly um, that's a lot of what made me like i um when a movie gets reactions like that and there's so much positive negative just like arguing right. and all blown i'm like i simply will just not watch this movie until it comes out later like I think that's the right way to do it. I think the only the only movie that has ever been hyped up that much to me and still like really killed it. Actually, it's there's two movies. Uh, one was Parasite, um, mm-hmm. which yes. I really loved. The other uh, was one I watched this last year, which was Cure. Um, oh, I um, still gotta Cursa. do it. That was that's probably one of the only ones. But I think it helps when it's not new, like a movie that's been out for yeah. twenty years or whatever. People are like, "Oh no, it's really good." That way, you know it's stood the test of time, and it's not like new mm-hmm. hyperbole. Um, it's not. Speaking tenet. of a, speaking, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of another you know, movie that's been around for a really long time that lives up to the hype, I also watched um, the Devils. 1971 oh. the Devils. It came on Shutter again. That movie, folks, is fucking great. It's not as it's not exactly what I was expecting. It's much more like Othello, Ten Commandments, like that. It's almost more like that, but then it's got all these like really weird, bizarre like cuts and scenes and stuff like that that's got all the all the weird horror stuff that you hear about the devils. But it's not near as extreme, okay, as you would maybe think. Like it's not anything. It's not anything close to like the super extreme shit that I think we've all seen. But it is really, really good. And you can see at like in 1971 how people would like be reacting to it. Oh like, yeah. It's not even as like graphic as like stuff of the top. Like it's not Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know what I mean? But there is enough stuff in it that you get why like people who are religious <laughs> don't like that movie <laughs> so it's something i would definitely recommend for everyone though okay yeah that's been on my list i need to finally just do it oh man so what i have do you have anything else that you want to cover from the past month jeff no nope, that's it cool because i was looking back and i was on a heater before i got elden ring and i forgot that i watched a bunch of really great movies uh since we last recorded. So I watched the spine of night on shutter, which is that, uh, animated fantasy, uh, like dark fantasy, heavy metal, uh, inspired as in heavy metal, the series, 
uh, series and movies. So it's gotcha. fully rotoscoped, uh, same animation, uh, and it it rules. Uh, I watched Ghost in the Shell for the first time, which oh, shit. also is fantastic. I can't believe uh, I saw that multiple times before you did. That's wild. Yeah, that was one that just like it never, it didn't fall into my kind of like path of getting really deep into anime. And so it was always a blind spot for me. Uh, so watch that. Loved it. Watch drive my car. Finally. Uh, since that was, should still be on HBO max. Amazing. It is. Did either of you guys end up seeing it yet? No, I still need to watch it. I want to though. It is so worth your time. So I've heard such good things about it, but I think it's a, it's one of those movies that, there's a barrier for me to like get in the mood to watch it. Cause I know it's a, mm-hmm. it's a contemplation about grief, right? It, it is, but it's also about, it's about acceptance too. It's a lot more hopeful than just solely like, like there are some really heavy scenes with it, but I think overall it's such a moving like contemplation of grief in a way that is, so this is what happens. This is how we, you know, reconcile our memory of these people with the people they actually were, what they continue to mean to us as we move on and keep living. And it's really, really beautiful. Uh, I, I definitely cried, I think, twice through this movie. Um, some really just striking camera work on display, too. Um, and the way scenes are blocked and, uh, there, there's a scene where they, it's a very intense conversation between two characters and it is basically just unbroken eye contact with the camera when it cuts to either of them. And they're doing these long, like very heavy monologues and it's really, really great. And just like visually stunning the whole way through too. Uh, I also rewatched Akira, and which always good, and then I finally watched the Batman earlier this week, which I have nothing but good things to say about it. I think it nails the tone because even though it is dark and brooding, it is very goofy, and it knows that. Like the um, everybody talks about the thumb drive line being very goofy, or when he just eats it when he's trying to use his wingsuit. But also, <laughs> the the la, la rata lata, or yeah, the the rat with wings line that keeps coming up throughout, and they're all like, "What does it mean? <laughs> a, p- a pigeon, like a stool pigeon?" And then Commissioner Gordon, a penguin's got wings. <laughs> you know what? You're right. <laughs> You're right, Gordon. And the, and then nobody realizing oh yeah that's a thing people call bats too (laughs) (laughs) it's so goofy and colin farrell as the penguin like it's it's so goofy and so fun but i it fits the batman and gotham universe so well and it gave me the tone and the feeling that i have always liked from batman comics that i don't think any other batman movie has captured quite as well I think it's one that will age really well. Um, mm-hmm. And I say that because, like, I think the 
I don't know. I think the Nolan ones are like immediately understood. Like there's not really a lot of subtext necessarily in the Nolan ones. You, yeah. you would like to think that there is, but there, I mean, it's pretty much all surface, right? There's only a couple of times where it like surprises you. And I well, would it's say- like I the um <laughs> the subtext there is all encapsulated by that tweet that was going around that like what's the most right wing piece of art that you enjoy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you get a, into a lot of that with the Nolan Batman, Nolan right. Batman. Yeah. So I think this one, I think it'll just be. I mean, like I said, I think there's. I don't know. There's good and bad about the new one. Um, I don't think Batman is the bad part of it. I do think that this is the one that has the least Bruce Wayne in it, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's Batman for most of the time or he's like private Bruce Wayne, like where he's still Batman. You know what I mean? I think it's very purposeful too, because we've in the dialogue, they talk about like, he doesn't really like Batman putting on that persona of being Bruce Wayne. And then it's kind of him accepting that he has to start doing that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I, I think we'll see some more of that, but I did really love that Bruce in this movie just acts like an alien. Anytime he has to interact with another human being. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like just standing in the doorway of an active crime scene. Like he's telling his mommy threw up. (laughs) (laughs) Riley, what about you? Anything else? Uh, Moon Knight. We've been watching Moon Knight. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, How is it? I haven't watched it. I yet. really enjoy it. I think it's awesome. Uh, Oi, I'm the Moon Man. I'm bummed that it's only six episodes. <laughs> I don't think they've confirmed a second season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it uh, sounded like they pretty much wanted to just one and done this. Yeah. Episode five, was with which aired tonight, was super heavy um you kind of get the backstory of how well uh never mind i'm not gonna get too much into it well i mean uh, i think we all like kind of know but Moon how deal. how mark create or what caused mark to create steven mm-hmm. um, we get into mark's backstory and everything and uh but yeah man i really enjoy it there are uh, some people say it falls flat in some spots, but I, I've liked it, so fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan Hawke's well, really good in it, but man, Ethan Hawke without a beard is any without any facial hair is very jarring. <laughs> it's like when Keanu shaved for uh, oh, Bill and man. Ted. Yeah, that was something. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get in to talking about Jackie Chan. So, Jeff, do you want to give us a little bit of kind of the background history, where he came from? I mean, everyone knows Jackie Chan in some way, shape, or form. But there's a whole lot of different things that go into the legacy of Jackie Chan, the person he has become, like the actor, everything he's known for, and he hits so many different audiences. So, Jeff, give us a little bit of kind of background on just where he came from. Yeah, so uh, Jackie Chan was um, a Hong Kong-born actor, so I think that's important to say that he's a Hong Kong actor and not just a Chinese actor, because there are, you know, obviously differences. 
Um, and so one of the, the first things that he did, like growing up as a kid, was um, he was involved in the, let me make sure I'm getting the name of it right, uh, it's called the Seven Little Fortunes, or sometimes known as the Lucky, Lucky Seven, um, and it's a, a performance troupe um, that did like acrobatics and, and plays and drama and things like that. Um, and they were mostly like younger kids, so seven or eight years old, traveling around the country and doing um, like acrobatics and things like that. And so um, not only does he kind of get his start in sort of like building up the dexterity to do martial arts like later on in his life, but he's also learning how to do like a little of acting as well from a very young age. So he's been acting all his life. And that's one of the reasons that he's so prolific is that you know, he started making films, you know, as a, at a young age as well. So the one thing I wanted to call that was interesting about the Seven Little Fortunes is that um, there are quite a few other, like, very famous martial artists that also came out of that same time, um, and they were in the troupe with Jackie Chan. So Sammo Hung and Yuan Biao um, are two of probably the most famous ones, um, but there's several others um, that were a, a major part of that as well. Um, so after he was, go ahead. So I was just, uh, you kind of mentioned, uh, very specific to identify that he is a Hong Kong film star. Um, because I mean the Hong Kong film scene and its legacy right. has had such a massive impact on American film, a worldwide film. I mean, I think that was most of what people's introduction to, uh, films from, Asian countries or their first international films in general um, were typically probably a Hong Kong film. Um, I mean, you could go through every era and there's probably one that really stuck with a kid in their like 13 to 15 age range. Uh, for me, obviously that's Kung Fu Hustle. Like that was one that really like really affected me as I was already starting to get into some other Hong Kong flicks. Uh, so, I mean, it's such it's such an influential kind of area of, um, of film production. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, definitely something that, <clears throat> and we'll get into a little bit about how, you know, the Hong Kong martial arts scene, you know, obviously influenced the American martial arts scene and, and how those films kind of came over and influenced Hollywood to a larger extent. Um, but just even in their own right, you know, the Hong Kong film scene is one of the most prolific you know, filmmaking areas in the world. It's basically the Hong mm -hmm. Kong scene, um, you know, American Hollywood, Bollywood in India. Uh, and then there's obviously like tons of European film, right? But like these epicenters of non-Western, um, you know, filmmaking, <clears throat> Hong Kong is, is kind of considered one of those epicenters for sure. So um, in terms of, of Jackie Chan's career, um, you know, he kind of started doing some of those smaller roles um, as part of the, the Seven Little Fortunes. Um, he was actually in, um, in at age eight, he was in a film called Big and Little Wong Tin Bar, um, where like he appeared in that with other people from his troupe. So like at the age of eight, he's in his first film. Um, but from there, he kind of gets to be in more, has some smaller roles. He's an extra. Um, and then probably his first um like first real big break is fist of fury so that's the bruce lee mm -hmm. film in 1972 um he was both an extra and a stunt double 
um, for the Japanese villain. Um, I and- actually, sorry, looking at the um, Fist of Fury with the alternate name, the Chinese connection, I have that one on VHS over on my shelf. Oh, oh really? Man. Nice. Uh-huh. I have that and I think Drunken Master 2, both on oh. VHS. Gotcha. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail that. No, no, no. I'm trying to figure out where I was. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I also want to throw out, like, uh, has Jackie Chan ever worked with the Shaw Brothers? Because the Shaw Brothers are probably one of the other biggest names out of, like, Hong Kong film. Right. Good question. I would have to check. I don't know off the top of my head. Well, if any listeners want to look it up, I'm sure they can find an answer. We don't have to sit and just do dead air on that one. <laughs> I don't. It's think a it's, it's a good not, thought exercise. We're gonna sit it's around not, and ponder for the next five minutes. So get it's not pulling up like in his. It's not pulling up in his wiki. So I don't. I don't think so. Okay, <clears throat> I'll let you go ahead and carry on. Yeah. So uh, he's worked with you know Bruce Lee. He was also in Into the Dragon. Um, he's a minor henchman that gets killed. Um, he's also in that film with Sam Hung. So that's another one where um, there's a huge, excuse me, I had to sneeze. There's a, a huge contingent, you know, of continuing to work with Sammo Hung. He's, a, he's in tons of films with Sammo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he um, really started doing kind of more of the, the leading roles in sort of the mid to late 70s. Um, he was in John Woo's film Hand of Death in 1976 um and then he was also in a couple of like kind of comedic kung fu so this is when he starts to sort of change a little bit into like that half martial arts half comedy starts of Mm -hmm. size of films which obviously becomes a huge part of the types of films that he does later on in his career as well um his first major breakthrough is considered snake in the eagle shadow which is 1978 um, and so that's the first time that he's kind of allowed like full freedom over his stunt work. He sort of gets to like choreograph and plan like how he's going to do stuff without much interference from anybody else. Um, <clears throat> and so that film is kind of considered the, the, the film is said to establish the comedic con- Kung Fu genre. Um, and so that it was a big hit in, in, in Hong Kong. And in the same year, he starred in Drunken Master, which is probably one of the films he's most known for in his early career in terms of having that leading role. And that is, mm-hmm. Drunken Master is obviously like a huge comedic film. And you see yeah. like threads of what he does in that in almost everything else that he does later mm-hmm. on. Um, as far as we'll, like, we'll talk about those elements in two of the movies we have tonight for sure. Yep. Yep. Um, so then in the like early eighties, he kind of tries to break into, um, into Hollywood. Um, J- Willie Chan, um, which I don't think is any relation actually. Yeah, Will, Willie Chan is um, just an, another person in Hong Kong. Became his personal manager um, and kind of was instrumental in trying to launch his international career. So his first Hollywood film was The Big Brawl in 1980. He was also in Cannonball Run. He had a, like a minor role. Um, and so he 
was in these films but wasn't you know starring in them had no kind of commercial success um there was a, a movie called the protector in 1985 that was supposed to be big i think it was a bigger budget but um like failed and so then he essentially stops trying to make hollywood films and goes back to hong kong um goes and stars in um a couple other um films kind of hooks back up with sam hung and yuan biao um and that's where hold on make sure i get my stuff right here yeah that's when he makes the first police story is in 1985 mm-hmm. so then he he had tried to do some hollywood stuff he goes back he does police story um it's a and that's considered where he's done some of his most dangerous stunts so we'll definitely bring that up later um as we talk about police story something i want to talk about looking at you know his um his hollywood career and uh breaking into the american markets do you know one of his American movies featured an incredibly now looking back at these two martial artists, actors and their careers, incredibly just what should have been iconic and historic thing with an on-screen fight between Jackie Chan and Donnie Yen. Do you know what movie that was in? That was Shanghai nights, (laughs) not even Shanghai noon. (laughs) (coughs) Um, okay, so in late the the late eighties, he starts to do more of like sequels. Um, so they do Project A Part Two, they do Police Story Two, um, they do Drunken Master Two. I didn't know this. I haven't seen Drunken Master Two. You said you've got it on VHS. Have you seen mm-hmm. it, Ty? I have not watched it. It's just been on the shelf. So I don't know if this is. It's probably not still true. But in 1994, Chan reprises his role in Drunken Master 2, which was listed in Time Magazine's all-time 100 movies. <laughs> all-time 100 movies. Not not all-time best, not all-time... <laughs> I can't just... These are 100 movies across <laughs> all, all time, of time. Yeah. I, think, I think they're trying to say these are the 100 best films ever made, but... <laughs> we have just given you... 100 movies selected at random <laughs> across all of time um yeah so i i don't know i haven't seen it um I, I feel bad now that i know it's was supposedly so good that i didn't see it for this episode but um that's kind of where so he starts to like really rake in the cash from all of these like extra sequels um he becomes the most popular action star in asia and europe in the mid 1990s um, and so then he starts getting, you know, offers for more roles. Oh, this is an interesting one. I, I was going to come back to this. Um, he kept getting offers to, for Hollywood films, but they were all for villains. And he didn't want to play villains. He's like, nah, I don't want to get typecast as the Asian villain guy. Um, apparently... You guys know the movie Demolition Man with Wesley yes. Snipes huh? and Sylvester Stallone? He got offered Wesley Snipes' spot oh, in wow. Demolition Man. That would have been so rad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's, you know, he's trying to avoid it. So then the first thing that was probably his biggest success in the United States up until this time is Rumble in the Bronx, um, which kind of attains sort of this cult following in the U.S. The film itself is okay. You know what I mean? It's It's gotten... Mm-hmm. Some people love it. Like I said, it's got a cult following, but it's not necessarily considered, 
you know, an A plus. It's not all time, you know, times yeah. 100 all time movies, 100 movies. <laughs> so, but it's also like with Jackie Chan, uh, there are so many people who go so deep on right. Jackie Chan's filmography and very diehard Jackie Chan fans. And the, some of them might say, you know, my favorite Jackie Chan movie is Rumble in the Bronx for all of these specific reasons that you see reflected throughout all these other parts of his career. So it's really, he he has such just, he contains multitudes. Because right. he really is just like one of the most interesting, like acting careers I think there is. Because, you know, I've, I've frequently said, talking about Jackie Chan, that as good as you know, rush hour or the action comedy stuff that he does is it, you know, he didn't want to get typecast as a villain, but now has been typecast and seen widely by the American public as like the comic relief kind of goofy slapstick guy. When that's really like not what he is like, he does those things and does them so well, but first and foremost, he's an incredible stuntman and martial artist. Like those are Mm -hmm. two things that I think because of the way he broke into the Western market, it doesn't, he, for as much credit he gets, he still doesn't get enough. Right. Right. I totally agree. And I think this is what we can talk about a little bit too, but like, I kind of feel like him and Arnold went through the same thing where Mm -hmm. like people, people don't like, People don't give them credit for how good at acting they actually are, right? Yes. And I think it's because, like, you know, they don't have a perfect American accent that I think people, like, look at that and they're like, oh, well, like, they're not acting that well because, like, I can tell Mm -hmm. of of the accent, right? And I, I think that's really unfair. I think both Jackie and Arnold, like, actually act the shit out of some of these movies. We'll talk about The Foreigner in a little bit. Yes, talking about dramatic I mean, and performances. We'll, we'll even talk about police story because there right. is so much that oh man but i i think and so you talked about everything everywhere all at once earlier and the actor uh that played short round and uh i completely forget his, his character's name in goonies yeah. um the the kid with all the gadgets and whatnot you know he has talked about how he those two roles, like he really got kind of typecast as the comic relief and, you know, Asian American or just Asian actors were seen as a punchline. And, you know, it's touched on in, there has been a lot of discourse around that with once upon a time in Hollywood. I think there is still so much in regard to just like the way Asian actors are viewed. And I think a big part of not a big, like contributing part of that, but one of the biggest, like, samples or examples of that is the way Jackie Chan's career and work have been viewed by Western audiences. Uh, But, you know, there are so many people who are doing a really deep dive and appreciation on what Jackie Chan brings to the table. Yep. Totally agree. So just to kind of cap off the career stuff really quick. So after, after he does rumble in the Bronx, he does police story three that gets released under the title Super Cup in the United States. And then right after that, he stores in Rush Hour, which is probably his real big break because mm-hmm. it grossed $130 million. And that's, I would say, if there's one movie people know Jackie Chan for, it's probably Rush Hour. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So from there, you know, obviously he has a very successful career, does quite a few both 
um, Hong Kong and Hollywood films. Um, has a video game named after him called Jackie Chan Stuntmaster. <laughs> I've never played it, but it sounds pretty good. That definitely sounds like a PS2 game. Yeah. Uh, it is a PS1 game. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and then he, he really gets into doing some pretty uh experimental stuff i'll say like where he really gets out of his normal role of what he was doing as the leading man and starts doing a lot of like smaller roles he's doing voiceover for kung fu panda um he's obviously like mr miyagi or he's not mr miyagi he's mr han but he plays a mr miyagi role in the 2010 karate kid um and then has continued to do like all sorts of different stuff that is very different where he's not doing as much martial arts anymore. He's doing more dramatic roles in his later career. So apparently in 2013, he also starred in a remake of police story. So I really would like to see that. And Oh, wow. No, like an actual remake of the original. That's, that's what it says or a reboot of the franchise. So it's hard to say, let me look. So they're um, gonna try and try and track him down, but it's a life—it's a lifetime ago. <laughs> Police Story 2013, also known as Police Story Lockdown. Um, unlike the previous Police Story films, where he portrays a Hong Kong cop, Chan instead portrays a mainland Chinese officer. Um, he's trying to find his estranged daughter. So, and not even playing the same character. No. And it says it is a standalone with a darker tone than the previous installments, which I have plenty to say about here in a bit. But the, so something I wanted to say as, you know, as you cap off like his work and his filmography, the big thing that carries through all of Jackie Chan's work is the stunt work. He is widely, you know, widely credited as probably the most prolific stuntman i mean that seems like a reach but not really when you break it down yeah you have like him tom cruise buster keaton um johnny knoxville uh i'm willing to put him (laughs) on that list uh i saw somebody float an idea that if they were going to do a buster keaton biopic it should have been with Tom Cruise, Jackie Chan, and uh, Johnny Knoxville all doing like a Bob Dylan, I'm not there type thing. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, so Jackie Chan is the kind of guy, when you look at it, you, there are so many ranked lists of stunts that almost kill. If you have a top 10 list of times you almost died doing a stunt, like I think that's pretty... (laughs) That kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, I think um, we talked about it before, but I think the thing that does make Jackie so interesting is that he does all of his own stunts, right? Like you just Mm -hmm. mentioned that group of guys that that do all their own stuff. You know, Stallone's not doing all of his own shit. Van Damme's not doing all of his own shit. Lundgren's not doing all of his own... You know what I mean? Like, those guys did Mm -hmm. some, some of that stuff, but like you know jackie like actually lived it and did all this stuff and he did it in like every film you know what i mean like he didn't have stunt doubles until like later on in his career and i think that's what's so amazing is not only was he so prolific but like the longevity the longevity and like he was doing dangerous shit like you know 
when we get into police story, we'll talk about the stunt that that almost killed Jackie, but just yeah, widely kind of widely topping all of those Jackie Chan top ten most dangerous stunt lists. So I, I'm is there anything curious. else? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm kind of curious. Like, what was what would you say was your first? experience with Jackie Chan or like how did you kind of get introduced to him do you think I mean for me I think it was Jackie Chan Adventures I think it was the animated series first and foremost which I was so into uh really really got hooked on that kind of around the same time I was getting hooked on a lot of actual anime uh where this was you know a western cartoon but obviously with a lot of like Asian influence uh but I mean and I watched a couple episodes to prepare uh but if you're not familiar it is essentially a monster of the week show uh but it's all grounded in various uh worldwide kind of mythology and folklore uh, like Springheel Jack is an episode uh there are all kinds of just various like folkloric creatures and characters that get pulled out but most of it revolves around the collection of these 12 talismans uh based around the chinese zodiac that give you various powers uh when you possess them it's and he's, just he, wild what i think is funny too is like he's he's an archaeologist in this show so it's like a combination of like jackie chan and indiana jones like, yes, as they're going through and, and trying to find this treasure and talismans and all sorts of stuff. And then his uncle and his niece, uh, Jade, and then eventually he gets a full sidekick team of a uh, a master thief, a luchador, uh, and a sumo wrestler. <laughs> and so here's the thing about Jackie Chan Adventures. Uh, Jackie Chan does not voice Jackie Chan, and he is only in the show uh, in various just like live action clips that they drop in in like as you go to commercial breaks or in the uh, theme or outro music. Uh, but do you know who voices Jackie Chan? I do not. So let me pull up his name. You won't recognize the name. But he is uh he's also featured heavily in one of the most uh Oh wait a minute. Is he not? Hold on, who voiced Jackie Chan? Oh no, he was the voice of Jackie. No, he was, he was, he was. We're good. Uh it gave him it had a different character name underneath him when you search Jackie Chan Adventures cast because it says Jackie Chan played Jackie Chan, but he did not. Uh but James C. Uh, most notable for his performance in animated classic and powerhouse of a series, Avatar The Last Airbender, as the cabbage salesman. (laughs) (laughs) Who only has two words of dialogue repeated several times throughout the entire series. Yeah, he does make it through the whole series, though, so... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so really, uh, really interesting just a really interesting thing in general you also have uh you have clancy brown in there uh john dimaggio jim cummings and then in the one of the episodes i watched they introduce a new villain uh played by our guy james hong yeah which is 
it was fantastic to hear him pop up. And there's also a there's also a scene which because one of the episodes I watched was an homage to Enter the Dragon, uh, and the next episode, this uh, this character from James Hong shows up and he's a blasting you know he blasts a spell at them, but Jackie Chan's uncle also casts yeah. Blast and rope spells. <laughs> also, also fires back a spell, and his spell is very much a you know what someone might call peasant magic. So <laughs> it's basically just big trouble in little China. <laughs> Love it. It's. I mean, I have a lot of nostalgia for the series, but I you know I can't go back and say that it's an absolute masterpiece. But it was fun. It was. I yeah. think it would have gone a long way having Jackie actually voice Jackie, because <laughs> it is very noticeable in the series when you rewatch it as an adult. You're like, that's not Jackie Chan. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get into our movies. And so we are going to go newest to oldest. So the first one, well, let's go ahead and talk all three that we're going to be talking about. We are talking about The Foreigner from 2017. Rush Hour from 1998, and Police Story, which I believe you said was 1985? Yes. Uh, Yes, that's correct. Perfect. So let's get into The Foreigner. So it is funny that we're doing probably the least Jackie movie of of all of them. Um, This is a movie that is really half Jackie Chan, half Pierce Brosnan. I would say Pierce Brosnan is potentially the focus of the movie um yeah he's the lead yeah even though he's not necessarily the protagonist all all the time um so for for those who have not seen the foreigner um it is on netflix you can find on there it is like we said pierce brosnan jackie chan a bunch of irish dudes Uh, Likely written- Irish stuntmen, essentially, because there right. there are some good stunts pulled into this movie. Right, right. Um, so the plot is essentially that uh, Jackie Chan plays a, a an immigrant um, who was it's a Chinese ethnic group that lived in North Vietnam essentially during the Vietnam War. So his name is Quan, and the movie starts with him just spending time with his daughter they're going out shopping for like a prom dress or something she walks into a store we're we're spoiling right if you've gotten this far maybe don't keep listening if you haven't seen it uh she gets all blowed up basically um (laughs) very tactful yeah yes great Um, way to handle that so she gets exploded um from a, a terrorist bomb um essentially uh it is a new ira group the film right away wants you to believe that the ira are in the wrong we're not going to touch that unfortunately uh got some thoughts on it but that's okay that's not anything we want to get into no we've decided we're in sticky territory so anyways there is a, a terrorist group that is um committing bombings all over london uh, Quan's daughter is collateral damage as part of this, but he basically all, goes on a mission to 
figure out who was responsible for killing his daughter and enact revenge. Pierce Brosnan is a an Irish leader, essentially, um, tasked with keeping the peace and talking to the British. Um, obviously, Ireland is, is considered part of the UK, but it's a tenuous relationship at best. And so, essentially, this is all about them trying to keep the peace, but secretly is revealed as it goes on that he might know more about this IRA plot than he's letting on. So then Jackie Chan essentially is, it's a cat and mouse a little bit at the end trying to figure out who's responsible um i really liked it i i thought it was good it is not a jackie chan movie not not at least in any sense of is it going to fit with anything that jackie chan's done before like we said it feels more like a pierce brosnan movie that jackie chan is in it's a revenge thriller or not even a i meant to say political thriller with like elements of a jackie chan revenge movie thrown in there too right Right. Now, when Jackie is... First and foremost, a political thriller. Right. Right. Now, when... I haven't seen Michael Clayton, but I imagine it's Michael Clayton if Jackie Chan was also in it beating the hell out of George Clooney every now and then. (laughs) Um, Something I like about this movie is, as far as the Jackie aspects, um, there's some decent fighting, but it's very very visceral. It is Uh not... It is not anything like Jackie's fight scenes in other movies. Um, He gets the shit beat out of him a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like, you know, in the other in the other choreography or fight choreography that he's doing, it's like it's very quick. It's timed. He's like blocking something and then turning something. You know what I mean? But in this one, it's just like he just gets like punched really fucking hard in the face and then he like he gets up and like dodges another one and punches the other guy really fucking hard in the face like there's Mm -hmm. not as much of the like like martial arts sort of like fight dance as there is which is almost which is almost just as impressive you know being you know a master of his level to make it so believable that he is struggling um right and like you said making it uh, such a more visceral fight movie. Totally, hundred percent agree there. It's not at all stylized. Like it's very, it's a very unstylized fight. It reminds me a little bit of some of the fighting in like, uh, like the Born Identity when it first came out, where it's it's just about how fucking hard are these dudes punching each other? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's more about that than it is about the stylized. And I think that's such an interesting guys thing just see. wailing on each other until they get tired. Right. It's so, it's such an interesting, and I rally, I think you had a great point, which is like, it's, it's impressive to see him do so many different types. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that was cool to see him do that in this movie. I thought, Do you do you guys have any other thoughts on uh, the foreigner? Because I so like I I liked it. It's not really much of a Jackie Chan movie, like you said. It's still worth a watch. Like a really well put together movie. Great for a TNT Sunday afternoon. Great dad movie. Super fantastic dad movie. Dad movie. Like a dad uh, movie yeah. who only knows a little bit about the IRA is the perfect audience for this movie. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I'm I'm really glad we included this, though, because it's a great look into just the types of things Jackie Chan is doing now. Like, he's 
he's reached a point in his career. He's like, "Yeah, oh, this sounds interesting to me personally, so I'll jump right. in on it." Was he ever in the Expendables franchise? I don't think so. Jet Li I, was right. I don't know. I just didn't know if they ever brought in Jackie. I think he might be too big a star. Really, I, I don't know, would, man. I don't know, man. Terry Crews is in there. He That's was asked saying. many times. <laughs> I, I almost took that bait. I can't believe I almost yeah. took that bait. <laughs> yeah, so now the Expend Four Bulls it does have a release date, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> That's what it's what it's called though. Yeah. Uh but but yeah, uh so Jackie Chan was asked multiple times. Oh wait, is he in number four? So it says Jackie Chan seemed open to being in the Expendables four, but again he didn't want to be around for just five minutes. Well, that makes. I mean, so he yeah. could be in it, which would be great, and he could finally be a bad guy for Stallone. <laughs> All these years later, like Sly, like texts him like every couple of days, and like <laughs> Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's come down to where he's just trying. It's so bad. Yeah, where he's just trying to fist fight Jackie Chan <laughs> to this day. That's how winning is done. <laughs> All right, so dialing it back a little bit, going twenty years back, we've got Rush Hour, uh, releasing in nineteen ninety eight. Uh, you all know Rush Hour, but for a brief synopsis, it's. And Jackie Chan teams up with uh, Chris Tucker uh, following the kidnapping of the Chinese consulate's daughter. And they break down a major, you know, uh, conspiracy crime following. It, it's a very deep web of lies. Uh, but it's a Chris, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan buddy cop movie uh, that is extremely racist. But everybody was in on the joke. <laughs> But man, so for whatever they, reason. But man, did they nail the casting. They did. Uh, it, this movie works because of who it, uh, who it is. Because of their chemistry. Like, I mean, there's a reason they were able to make two more movies. And it's, yeah. it's that people could not get enough of those two on screen together. And I think it... It's really best shown in that scene where they become friends in the first one when they're singing War. Mm-hmm. It, it, just the chemistry and both just even on their own before either of them meet each other, they're so charismatic. Absolutely. Because they, they both steal the show in different scenes when they're on their own and then it mixes and nobody overshadows the other, which is so like unbelievably rare like it's rare it's cool it's so awesome that something like rush hour exists and i do love rush hour 2 as well i have not seen rush hour 3 i just never got around to it yeah uh yeah i i remember you know how i know the plot of rush hour 3 
Because I went and saw some rated R movie I wasn't supposed to see, but I told my parents I was seeing Rush Hour 3. (laughs) And I looked at the entire plot so that I could have plot points when I came back so that it would be real. It was actually. Even though they were never going to see Rush Hour 3. It wasn't an R rated movie, it was just The Order of the Phoenix. (laughs) (laughs) How many times do you think you did this with, um, with movies with your parents? Well, I mean. Because I, I know only... for sure when we watched V for Vendetta, you memorized the entire plot to Equilibrium to tell them we watched that instead. Yeah, which why I picked Equilibrium. I don't know I have why. No idea. Yeah, no, I, I mean this was why. this was an activity I've yeah I have done multiple times. Yeah, sure. down to a science. <laughs> well, it was just like I don't know why, but they would like they would ask me questions about it. We're like, oh yeah, we're gonna watch a movie. Oh, what are you watching? And we're like, oh, I'm gonna watch this one. I'm like, oh, what's that about? And I'm like, all right, well. I guess I have to fucking know all this stuff so I can come back. Jeff, I can't Jeff, be like, th- oh, it's an action movie, you know. Jeff, I think we need a a letterbox list of your memorized <laughs> plot synopsis of movies that you oh actually haven't seen. Can I tell you this story? There's, there's, this isn't exactly the same kind of story, but it, it's it's really fucking funny. Um, we went to see a movie as a group. We were going to see fuck, maybe The Hangover. Or Step Brothers. Maybe, maybe it's the hand. Because I forget, Step Brothers isn't rated R, is it? Yeah, it is. No. Oh, it, it is? is? It yeah. is. Yeah, it is. Okay, it so is. Then I think you're it was. Right. I mean, there's Step testicles Brothers. in the movies. So. Yeah, no, okay. that's right. Well, yeah, that's right. Okay, so I was supposed to go see Step Brothers, and I forgot my ID at home. Like, I brought my wallet, but I didn't have my ID. <laughs> so all of my friends were going to see Step Brothers. And I was like, well, I'm not going to just fucking sit in the lobby for two hours. So I bought a ticket to um, Swing Vote, which is like a... Uh, uh, it's not... Um, is that Dennis Quaid? Yeah, it is Dennis Quaid. Thank yeah. you. It's about like one guy who is like the deciding vote in a presidential election, essentially. And I sat and watched that entire fucking movie while everybody else watched Step Brothers and I didn't have a phone, and my movie was going to end after theirs. So somebody gave me their phone so they could text me. And then I turned it off because it said in the theater to turn off your phone. <laughs> so they're, like, calling me, and I'm just sitting there fucking watching Swing Vote by myself, being like, when can I fucking leave? <laughs> but I at least had something to go back and say then. Yeah, I went and saw Swing Vote instead of Step Brothers. <laughs> It's also great because, like, that was a theater that notoriously did not ID. (laughs) Well, this was in Wichita. So I actually, I remember what I did was I I bought a ticket to Swing Vote uh, because I was hoping that I could still get into Step Brothers. So I was hoping once I got back that I could just sneak in. But they Uh definitely just, like, watched me the entire way and saw me trying to go. They're like, no, it's not that theater. Wrong one. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, oh, is it, oh, is it this one? <laughs> Fucking, the guy couldn't have been like more than a couple years older than me, but he was just being yeah. a dick about it. Anyways, what are we talking about, Jackie Chan? <laughs> uh, yeah, we were talking about Rush Hour. Rush Hour. You were saying you had never seen Rush Hour three, and that's how that got yes. started. Yes, yeah, that's how we got onto this topic. <laughs> so Rush Hour, I think, was aside from potentially. Jackie Chan Adventures. 
I don't know how I would have seen this so young, but I remember that. I think I remember this being my first Jackie Chan Same. movie. Oh, I Same. can tell you how you watched it. It was the Unruh <laughs> family. That's probably because true. Jameson and I watched this movie together at least fifty times. <laughs> like we would frequently do, like, "Hey, it's Rush Hour weekend," and we would just watch Rush Hour. <laughs> Like and then, multiple times in one weekend? Oh, no. We'd watch Rush Hour and then play. Uh, so more of It's the Weekend. It's time for Rush Hour. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then we would play video games and drink soda. Just a real Americana weekend over here. Yeah, Midwest boys. <laughs> real inside <laughs> baseball for this episode. No, so, okay. So you remember watching. It's okay. That's when we're at our best. That's right. Riley, you remember watching this fairly young. Do you oh, remember, yeah. Was it like pretty soon after it came out, you think? Um, so if it was 99, I mean, yeah, it'd have to be sometime in middle school probably that I watched it. So, yeah. I mean, five, maybe five years later. Yeah. So, but yeah, like you said, like I know I was pretty young when I watched it for the first time because that was kind of my introduction into Jackie Chan and then. I don't know. I was thinking about that when we brought that up earlier. I was trying to think if Rush Hour was the first one, and I don't remember if it was that or maybe... Like Shanghai Noon? No, because I know what you watched. I I was familiar with Jackie Chan by, by the time the Shanghai movies came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like... I, I want to say that before that... AMC used to play a lot of dubbed over Kung Fu back in the mm-hmm. day, and my dad would watch that. And I want to say that Drunken Master was on there a time or two, but probably not enough for me to retain. So right. probably Rush Hour. Yeah. Man, that's so cool that your dad would have taken you to see that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That was not my experience, if you can tell. <laughs> oh, I mean AMC the the channel. Oh, 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 oh yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. That makes more sense. Yeah. No AMC in Newton, Kansas. Yeah, so. that's probably true. That's true. <laughs> so anyways, with, with this movie, I kinda wanna talk about what in rush hour like is so heavily influenced by Jackie. Obviously, he's the main, right? But mm-hmm. what I was so impressed by, like rewatching it recently, was one: the fight choreography is is really good, very mm-hmm. good. Um, there's some there's some pretty good shit. There's like a really good final stunt when they're in the museum and he's like sliding down the mm-hmm. yeah the the big thing. That's really cool. Um, and then he's also just doing like some of the specific moves I wanted to talk about is um, there's always in every film this one move and I don't know what you would call it but he's always holding like a chair or a board yes. or something and somebody punches or kicks through it and then like he like flips them through or like he continues using like this same piece of furniture or blocked thing to like use their fist to punch other people or you know what I mean? Like yes. that's such a fun, cool thing that, that happens in all these movies is like, you see these pieces of choreography that like echo, you know, mm-hmm. and they're in these different movies. And, and every that's time very I saw much that, a staple yeah. of Jackie's, you know, Jackie's specific choreography, uh, because I think it's rumble in the Bronx that has the ladder fight. <laughs> 
which is yeah. very much like that, like the pinnacle of that move that Jackie does so often is that ladder fight. Right. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of dodging, right? Which I think is a, a tactic that's or a a fight choreography thing that doesn't happen as often in movies now, where they're like like a lot of times now they're like blocking or taking the punch and then punching the other guy back that there's not a lot of like that boxing level Mm -hmm. martial arts level dodging that happens and that's something i notice a lot in this is he's not he's not on the offensive all that often like he's he's especially especially in like the pool hall scene right Mm -hmm. right like he's he's almost a counter puncher right in putting in like a boxer turn where like he's waiting for them to make a move and then waiting for them to overextend themselves so that he can make, you know what I mean? Like, I, I right. just think that's such a, a specific thing that happens. In oh, it totally so cool. is. Because, I mean, it's it's even a trope that also has become associated with Jackie Chan of the, I don't want any trouble. And right. that's the line that comes up so often. Of he's, he's this guy, he just, I don't want any trouble, man. I don't want to fight. Like, but he's going to fight regardless. And a He's going to dodge and redirect as much as he can, but is eventually just going to fight and win. Right. What are some other things? Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, there is so much we could talk about with with Rush Hour, because I think it is, like, I mean, I know this is a Jackie Chan episode, but Chris Tucker is on fire as well. Like, some of his best work, for sure. Well, yeah, I yeah, mean, I this think... is definitely when Chris Tucker caught fire, because um, I think Friday wasn't Friday wasn't much earlier than this, was it? I don't think so. Was it 96? ninety six? Ninety five, ninety six, I think. I think you're right. And then, I mean, well, what did he did he do much outside of Rush Hour, the Rush Hour series? So uh, he became I mean, a born again Christian. And then yeah, and then stand up and. So he's so. in a bunch of, um, like not smaller stuff, but he's in a lot of stuff where he like plays like a really, um, like a se- almost like a secondary character. He's in Fifth Element. He's in. Oh uh, well, yeah. Yeah, uh, he was in Dead Presidents, um, Money Talks, but then mostly the Rush Hour. Oh fuck. I forgot he he has a bit role in Jackie Brown. Oh yeah, um, where uh, Samuel Jackson's character is basically gonna murder him. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to go through and and get his other roles as well. He's in. Uh, it says twenty five separate films. He's supposedly in Silver Linings Playbook. I don't know. Trying to remember what his role was in that. Oh my God! Do you know what? How else Rush Hour was influential outside of movies themselves? Do you know what Rush Hour is responsible for? I don't uh, know. Yeah. So no, you wouldn't have guessed this one. Uh, the creator of Rotten Tomatoes credits Rush Hour directly for its creation. <laughs> 
He is a big Jackie Chan fan and was inspired to create the website after collecting all the reviews of his Hong Kong action films as they were being released in the United States. So in anticipation of Rush Hour, he coded the website in two weeks so that the site could go live right before the movie came out. (laughs) I need need to know that everyone else thinks this movie is good. (laughs) Can you imagine? Uh, I wonder what it like. I wonder what its original score was when it came out. Because I don't know that. I don't know if this would have been a critical. I wonder darling. how. Probably I really not. wonder how the site worked in 1998. I wish. I wish you could go back and look at it. So currently, Rotten Tomatoes gives it a. Wikipedia says 60. It is still sitting at a 60 critic score, 78 audience score. That seems low for audience. It does. I I think a lot of that might also have to do with just the, you know, all of the awful things associated with the director, um, but also kind of on the, oh, and apparently Jackie Chan does not like Rush Hour. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Huh. And it's... I think because well, let's um, let's not get into what Jackie Chan likes and dislikes. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dear, yeah, listeners, I hope you understand the amount of restraint because there's about six or seven things we could talk about on this episode that would immediately get us all on some kind of list. So, I think it's probably good that we're s- sticking on the narrow road on this one. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's really not worth getting into because we would not have enough nuance in any area of any of it anyway in the uh, kind of the regard of the director uh this the movie came out to pretty uh, like test screenings were pretty bad and then jackie chan got a little bit more creative control so it's rumored and there have been some clips that like the action basically was directed by jackie and oh, uh, i think you can that, see that that yeah. shows in the final product you can definitely tell in like the pool hall scene that we just discussed, but then also, mm-hmm. I don't know what you would call it, when they're upstairs in the restaurant, the, mm-hmm. the quote unquote lair. Yeah. Um, All the that, buddy cop that, fighting. Yeah, that whole fight scene was very reminiscent of police story. Um, yes. Specifically the uh, when they're the the apartment fight scene in police yes. story. And the I also think when they're at the uh, the ceremony, the um, showing at this museum, I think so much of that the visual storytelling is pulled directly from Hong Kong flicks, like very much Shaw Brothers and John Woo influenced. Uh-huh. So I very much think Jackie gets a lot of the credit for how this movie became what it was. Jackie T- Jackie Chan direct Fast Ten. Yes, do it. Who says well, no? Who says no? Let's. Uh, do you guys have anything else before we get into police story to wrap up our episode? Let's do it. Fantastic. So this was my third time watching Police Story, uh, and was this both of you guys' first times? It was. Yes. Okay. So if you are unfamiliar. With police story, uh, Jackie Chan is a cop who stumbles in. He gets assigned to basically witness protection 
and is involved later becomes involved in this grand conspiracy in police corruption uh his life is ruined as a result of it and then it is him seeking revenge and clearing his name uh for everything that has happened and for the first two-thirds of this movie it is a very silly slapstick action comedy and it is very fun and very goofy. And then the final third hits, and there is a tone shift that I <laughs> have tried to describe, but until you see it, you truly don't understand. Like, you, you can't prepare for how starkly the tone what shifts you, in this movie. What would you say is the, the tone-shifting moment? Uh, it is when he... Is it when he takes the captain's hostage? Yes, yeah. and he's like... He's being bashed through glass and like people are being slammed into walls and he's taking the captain hostage and it, everything is much more visceral and Uh aggressive then. And he's like a caged animal and it like, it really shows that his life has been ruined by everything that just happened. And now he's like a desperate man and it's so, it feels very dark and like very heavy the first time i watched it i like paused and skipped back a scene and then like continued watching i'm like i didn't miss something here did i like what this happened is it spliced (laughs) so what did you guys think of this movie because i i've talked about this movie at length as being probably my favorite jackie chan movie and kind of his peak his best movie. So what I thought was so interesting about this movie is um, <clears throat> like the predominant films that I've watched of Jackie Chan have mostly been like the American films, right? The stuff that I've seen, that's the Hong Kong films is drunken master, um, police story. And then I was thinking there was one more. I have seen, a little bit of Fist of Fury. Um, I have actually not seen Into the Dragon. I'm kind of embarrassed to say. So most of the stuff that I've seen, like I said, has been kind of more of the American sensibilities. So what I actually liked a lot about this movie is like um, a lot of the humor seemed to be like very specific Hong Kong style humor. Mm-hmm. Like both in like how quick the jokes were or like the hand motions that went with it or things like that. And I thought it was just really fun. Both this and drunken master, like the comedy style being so different is really fun. Um, yes, it's just, it's just a different type of fun Jackie and you still see the through lines, right. Of him kind of mean mugging at the community, at the camera, uh, Mm -hmm. not directly. Right. But just like the faces that he's making like after he gets punched or after something happens like i think they're it's just as funny in police story as it is in anything else he's done yeah like well there's also some really great physical comedy there's really small character beats like him not having chopsticks so he takes a couple pencils to eat his bowl of noodles with i really that whole that that whole that whole that whole scene is just great with the phones yes the phones and, and he's he's reaching across desks, he's balancing on a chair, he's trying to swap different phones, answer different people's calls. And that's such a great bit of physical comedy and such a well-constructed joke. Yeah. I love, 
Because I think there there is that in his later movies, but it's it's it is more action oriented. Like there's very few like solo Jackie comedy scenes. Uh-huh. I feel like, or maybe I haven't noticed them. But that I totally agree. That phone scene where it's just him is great. There's also I love the bits of like the reoccurring like it's not what you think. You know? Oh yeah, that's, yeah. I, that's what I was about to, to bring up was the when he brings the when he brings the girl home. Yeah. Um, and he gets in the fight with his girlfriend. And he's saying all this shit, not knowing that she's there. <laughs> That's so good. And then I also really love the, the like constructed or like the staged attack to try and oh, convince yeah, her that, that she great. needs his protection. Yeah. And one of his buddy and the mask comes off. And he's trying to cover his hand or his face with his hand, and then she knocks him out. So Jackie is trying to no, flail his fighting. body around. <laughs> Great physical acting from that guy, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, this movie's so fun. Also, and so we talked... Oh, go ahead, Jeff. No, it's, this is, it's, in, it's incidental. You keep going. So I was just going to say that we talked about the, the stunt work. Uh, I mean, one, it's so, so synonymous with Jackie Chan, but uh, the bus scene where he... So he's like hanging out, running alongside a bus and like running along walls while hanging on a bus and uh, dragging behind it with an umbrella. Like there's all of that. And then he gets in front of it and he gets in front of it and stops the bus by drawing his gun. Like he's going to fire on the driver. And that is them just slamming the brakes on this bus (laughs) with Jackie standing there. Cause if you watch the credits, there are several times that he jumps out of the way because it wasn't stopping in time, and which is just nuts. But the one that tops the list of all of these most dangerous stunts that Jackie Chan has done and the one that almost killed him uh, is at the end of Police Story in the mall when he jumps down and slides down this pole, busting through lights, busting through panes of glass, uh, so the lights had heated up the pole and he got second degree burns on his hands as he was sliding down. Uh, he went through all of that glass uh, and then uh, I think fractured two vertebrae and broke his pelvis God. or dislocated his pelvis when he hits the bottom. Well, and okay, I'm trying to remember in the scene, doesn't he still like get up and run? Yes. Like he doesn't, it doesn't land and they like cut. Like there's a continual yeah, no, it, scene. He yeah. hits and then he gets up and moves and yes, yeah, very <laughs> severely injured off that one. That's wild. And it's it's such a good good stunt too, and I love that they cut to it like three different times from different angles just to really sell it as he's flying down this pole. I feel like they do that. I think they did that one other time. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget when, but they definitely did. Yeah. Yeah. And then for all these silly, like the scene with the phones and all this fun, goofy stuff, then you get him just like fighting for his life, trying to clear his name. Well, and we haven't even touched on the giant set piece of them driving the cars through that village. I was going to talk about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I love the giant wide shots they use in that scene. And it's just 
giant dust clouds built just <laughs> billowing down the hill as these cars are just being trashed through this town. <laughs> and I love I that I love that all three cars get to the bottom of the hill and they all crash the same way, so they all have to yes. get out. Yeah, I what I was struck by with that scene is one, it was incredible. And two, like I mean, I know there are still big practical effects that happen in movies, but like I can't imagine that that would like be recreated today where people are yeah. actively driving down a hill through all these buildings. You know what I mean? Like it's such a a cool time capsule of giant stunt work giant Mm -hmm. like explosion work. i don't know it's just it was cool to see that much and the wide effect like you can't fake it right like you were watching it in real time them coming down this hill which is so cool well and that's what just like we've lost something with that in the move away like the big budget blockbusters that are really pushing for you know these VFX heavy and CG heavy big set pieces um, but we've we've moved away from kind of the importance of stunt work and crafted sets and practical effects and these set pieces that are built specifically for you know these big grand scenes and I I want us to get back to that I don't know how we would do it but it's what what and what I love about that set piece is that that had to be one take. There's no doing yeah. that. There's no doing yeah. that one twice. <laughs> I think that was the one that they did the same thing from multiple angles in. Now that I'm thinking right. about it, I'm I think sure. so. Yeah. God, just what a banger what a movie. movie. Yeah, I mean, Jackie Chan, like he puts out so many bangers. Jackie so, Chan, he puts out. <laughs> you heard it here. You hear it here, folks. <laughs> of the three movies, which do you guys think is your favorite? Um, well, I can't say The Foreigner. Um, so it's really yeah. between Police Story and, and Rush Hour. I would say Rush Hour is closer to my heart um, in in just terms of how it's constructed and the story that it tells. But I think Police Story is, is the more kinetic of the two. Yeah, that's right? where There's I am more as happening. well. Yeah. I think Police Story is just such the platonic ideal of what a Jackie Chan movie is. Right. That's what that's the movie I would show someone if I was mm-hmm. going to show a Jackie Chan movie. Correct. Yeah, and I or mean either that it's or on... or the Tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we should have reviewed. So uh, HBO Max does have Police Story. If you guys, if anybody listening has not seen it, I highly recommend it. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we had a great time talking about Jackie Chan, and we will be back with you next month. Have a good one, everybody. Bye.